This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Weekly Podcast. I'm Rose Sampson Folk, and today, an all-star guest for the episode closest to All-Star Weekend, Bill Simmons gave his daughter a podcast, I believe. So if any of you come after me for having a friend on as a guest, it's over for you. It's over. But Dana Smart of Great Dane Draws on Instagram. You can find her at GreatDane92 on Twitter. One of my favorite follows, one of my favorite people to talk to online, the comedic flair, the artistry. It's all great. Dana, how are you doing? I'm great, Samson. How are you? I'm doing quite well. I'm just trying to relax. It's a little bit gray out here, and I played tennis yesterday, so things have been going well. I've been enjoying the days off from working and doing reaction podcast type things. But how have you been the last couple of days? What's All-Star Weekend look like for you? We're actually getting some nice weather around here in Southern Ontario. So that's good. Hoping that it stays. So yeah, doing well. Okay. And you said something about uh, fiber optic? I'm out in uh, Puss Lynch, Ontario, which is uh, kind of the boonies. So we we're on Bell Internet. Uh, we have what's called a turbo hub, and it's not your high-speed internet. So if you hear kind of a bit of ruckus outside, we're finally getting some fiber optic internet getting installed, which is really exciting for us. I went through something similar with my dad when I was in Sturgis, Saskatchewan, where I'm from. I was there last summer, and I had to do some work to cover the basketball games, and there had to be a certain amount of internet speed, and I let my dad know beforehand. I was like, it has to be a certain speed, otherwise I can't visit because I won't be able to do work. So it was this big thing because they dug for the line in Sturgis and my dad. There's 700 people where I grew up, and he was like, I, uh, I have the fastest speed in town. And, you know, people asked me about it when I would just be driving around town. They'd be like, how's the internet? And it's like, Jesus Christ. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a big deal to get it in there. But it's really ready to talk. Yeah. <laughs> I get in trouble if I watch a five-minute YouTube clip. So get in trouble there's there's consequences big consequences you go over the limit you're paying extra money and it's big 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 bad that's why (laughs) you're rooted in art physical i I guess exactly okay necessity is the art of invention or something like that there's a term it's close (laughs) to that but okay first things first we're gonna talk a little basketball because this is the raptors weekly podcast dana your thoughts on the Raptors this year, what have you enjoyed? What have you disliked on court, off court, whatever floats your boat? Starting, I guess, with maybe the pros, the things that I've enjoyed. Um, favorite part has definitely been 
seeing players outperform expectations. So Boucher as a potential six-man candidate, stuff like that. You know, you're Stanley and Bembry with roles as rotation players, not really expecting things like that. Um, you actually used a word on one of your most recent pieces. I think it was uh, maybe the Bembry piece, the uh, heliocentric. Um, I think I made it maybe tease you for maybe being a big boy word a little bit <laughs> too big for me. But I, I really like the way that our team is not playing that type of basketball that, you know, on any given night, you could have Fred, Kyle, Pascal, even um, OG or Boucher going for 30. You never know who it's going to be. It's really enjoyable for me when you can have um, any of those individual contributors. And uh, I just really like it when you can have that. Yeah, so just people outperforming expectations, having the individual contributions and uh, that kind of stuff for Negatives, um, I don't think anyone really had a good time enjoying that uh, rough start there, the 2-8. and So uh, that was definitely not a, a positive. And as one does, you go on Twitter and Reddit, and, you know, people were calling for things like, you know, fire nurse, <laughs> blaming individuals, uh, anyone ranging from, you know, nurse to Maasai to Pascal to Kawhi, um, any individual for the team's uh, poor performance. I think just the collective, the way that the everyone kind of reacted in that way was not really enjoyable to see that kind of reaction from everyone. But, uh, you know, we just kind of had to keep things in perspective. You know, there were just certain circumstances that the whole team was facing. And, you know, as we're seeing now, that was probably just a little blip. You know, they overcame that. And what about Here you? That's, I've enjoyed a lot of stuff. I, I do agree. A diverse um, offense. I think the, not heliocentric, but egalitarian would be the term probably the Raptors yeah, use yeah. a little bit more often. And that's fun because, you know, when you're cheering for a team that isn't at the top of the standings, you're looking for hope in a lot of different ways. I, my favorite player of all time is DeMar DeRozan. And being able to look at him creeping up over 20 points per game was super cool. And it was also cool that it wasn't just him, that Kyle was also becoming, you know, a top whatever, top 10 to some, top 15 to a lot, and then bottom 50 to, you know, some people on the internet. But when people rise up, it gives you something to cheer for with fans. We like the idea of momentum, building to something, progressing somewhere and watching guys like even Pascal who struggled in some ways, he's, he's progressed in a ton. And Fred, especially, I think with the biggest step, Norm continuing to do his thing, Boucher, you brought up, that's really fun. The low points I think was during that two and eight stretch, Blake and I were concocting like bits we could do on the reaction podcast where he would be, the the devil on my shoulder and he would egg me on to get progressively more negative because I'm I lean probably way more optimistic than a lot of reaction podcasts be it in Toronto or elsewhere and usually I just shake off if something bad happens like yeah it's bad it happened but he would be playing the role of whatever emperor's new groove who is it Kronk and uh, I guess devil Kronk would be on my shoulder 
And Jacob Mack, we were also, but he's very, very intelligent and uh, I like him a lot, but we were kind of trying to concoct things we could do too, where we were doing a bunch of impressions. And the more impressions I do, it's either going really well, because I did a bunch of them for the Reaction Podcast as we're getting closer to the title. But if we start swinging the other way, I feel like the darker the alley, the more impressions come out of me. And I don't think anybody wants to hear that. So those were, those were dark days, I think. <laughs> sure. Okay, so we've covered the dark stuff and the light stuff. So I want to ask you about something that I know nothing about. It just seems difficult to me. And I think that's when you're looking at something and you don't understand it, automatically it seems difficult and there's this mysticism about it. And that's how I feel about art because I can't draw or do anything even when I was forced to go to Sunday service and would barricade my door when I was a kid, like four years old. It was because I didn't want to do arts and crafts. I just never liked arts and crafts. I felt like I couldn't (laughs) create anything. So to a person like me, Drawing seems extremely difficult. So I'm wondering who are the easiest to draw? Who's the most difficult and why? What makes an easy, what's the term? Muse, I suppose? Sure. Subject? So I use, um, at least recently when I've been doing digital things, I've been using my iPad and I've been using a few different styles, but to do player portraits or MBA portraits, I've been doing a vector-based style. And what that means is they start off as geometric shapes pretty much, and then they're kind of built from there. So I find the players that, that spaces lend themselves the best to that is when they have really strong features. So if they have big eyes, uh, strong cheekbones, um, a really big smile, things like that. They ultimately, kind of the goal is to look um, a little bit caricature or cartoonish, but, you know, not too far from that. So I found kind of easiest ones or ones that are have been pretty successful are like Pascal. I found Pascal was turned out pretty well. He has these really big eyes, a huge smile. Uh, John Morant, I found his was turned out really well. He has these really distinct eyebrows. The hair is really characteristic. Um, Yeah, so things like that, um, really distinct features and things like that. Um, Particularly with my, I mean, that's with my style. If people are going for, or illustrators are going for a more, you know, realistic or a realist approach, they probably have a different idea, but that's just for me. It fascinates me because when we had uh, Chris Chapak, a friend of mine, do the art for Minute Basketball, he was making it like very, very realistic, but you have to make it something different than it is. So you have to be, there's an impression that their faces leave on you and you have to create it similarly, but not exactly the same. And so mm-hmm. for Chris, like real, realistic art is obviously incredible, but I understand the method. With you, I was just fascinated because I'm like, how do you turn a blob into a a face? Especially if their faces don't look like a blob. My face is like round and I feel like I have a blob face. But guys like Pascal or Jaw with the cut cheekbones and the jawline, that that fascinates me. This is just kind of, you know, related to the how it's kind of a caricature is probably the most annoying comment that I've ever gotten on my art. And it's kind of frequent is when people say, you did 
blank dirty or <laughs> you know you you know you really messed up that's really the, what they say is you did blank dirty and like what does that mean you know like it's a caricature you, you know the, you're supposed to accentuate their features or you know that kind of thing so it's just it's completely pointless when people say things like that and it's just I don't know. we got one on mine do you, I don't know if you saw that comment. They said you <laughs> did my hairline dirty. Jeez. <laughs> uh, yeah. oh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, and I, I responded that my hairline does itself dirty. There's some some facts to life. You just can't fight it. Okay, well, so it makes you feel better. I like I like your hair. I think it's gorgeous and majestic. <laughs> thank you, gorgeous, flowing, majestic. All the stuff I want here. Okay, so back into the Raptors. When and how did your Raptors fandom start? Did they ever wane or were you firmly entrenched in like the Anthony Parker Raptors fandom? Because I've seen pictures of you that you've shared to social media where you're very young and into basketball, more so than I was at that age. So I'm interested, how was your fandom like from a, from a child to now? Yeah, I, my, my dad's side of the family particularly are quite involved in, in basketball and um, so I guess you could say I was kind of thrown into it from a, a pretty young age. And um, I was born in 1992 as well. So I guess the franchise was born and growing when I was young. So I also think that my um, parents probably had a little bit of Raptors fever. And it was a pretty exciting thing for, for basketball fans in, in the area when I was young. Um, so, you know, you do see those pictures from when I was younger and my parents have those pictures of my brother and I, my older brother with, um, you know, Raptors inauguration gear. And, uh, yeah, so, um, yeah, pretty young age when it, when it started, there definitely were some, you know, little wanes, uh, waxes and wanes with the fandom, particularly it became hard to, to watch the games when I went to university. So, you know, both with not having a uh, satellite or cable TV and uh, being super busy with, with studying and stuff like that. But I also kind of find that that's when I started to mostly create the art that was related to Raptors, uh, the Raptors, kind of as a way to keep that. Uh, connection with the the culture and the team, you know, not being able to watch complete games, you know, watching YouTube clips and looking at box scores wasn't really as fun or fulfilling. So I started to create the art and that sort of stuff. And I, I had a lot of fun with that and just kept going. And how about yourself? When did you uh, start to... Yeah, when I was about 10, I started watching the Raptors quite often because where I grew up, a lot of people went on to play high-level lacrosse from the small town I'm from. That's Lacrosse was the big thing there. Hockey in Saskatchewan is obviously quite large. And basketball wasn't a big deal. My brother, he really started to like basketball, and that influenced me. And when that started to happen, I started watching the Raptors and Luol Deng was my favorite player for a long time because he wore the number nine and Paul Correa wore number nine in hockey. And Paul Correa was my favorite. Number nine was my favorite. And then eventually I moved on from Luol Deng 
to Raptors fandom and DeMar DeRozan. And I just remember championing this idea that DeMar DeRozan was, at least for a time, the NBA player who had scored the most points in England because they played those two games against the New Jersey Nets when they were from New Jersey at that point in time. And that was very formative for me. I was like, yes, DeMar DeRozan. Nobody scored more NBA points in Europe than him. And that's really what Raptors fandom was for a long time, was just finding something small to claim that would seem very unimportant to other fan bases or other people and then championing it for yourself. But DeMar, I really, that was, you know, the tail end of, I guess, high school was the start of when DeMar was coming up. And I really enjoyed that team. And that kind of, that's where everything started picking up a lot. But I was a fan of Jose Calderon, Anthony Parker, the the very early days of Andrea Bargnani, as disastrous as they were. But I came in just at the end of the Chris Bosch era, and that takes me to now. It's been fairly steady. I never, I didn't have any school that was so intensive that I didn't get to watch stuff. I actually found that I had more free time when I went to school because I just didn't go to class, <laughs> yeah. basically. But uh, yeah, that was, that was where it started for me. And it's been, it's been obviously a big part of my life working in the field but uh how about basketball just in general for you what's basketball been like in your life because I know you're a hooper obviously um <laughs> it was uh, mostly house league for me um yeah house league and uh just at, at school like at uh you know elementary and, and high school level so yeah nothing big no varsity or anything like that <laughs> Yeah. You said your family is also involved in it? Yeah, quite a bit. So uh, the smart side, my my dad's cousin, Dave Smart, he was head coach of the Carlton Ravens for quite a while there. If you're familiar with, I don't know if they still are quite a, a dynasty there. And uh, we went out to, to watch the finals in Halifax a few years in a row when I was in, in grade school. And uh, he, so he was coach and then I had some cousins who played on the team for a while there. And so, yeah, that was really fun following that for, for a few years there. And then I had one cousin on that side as well, who played uh, at the NCAA level for Boston college. And uh, we went down to to watch him a few times. So yeah, that was really exciting. He had some uh, interesting teammates there. Jared Dudley was one of the notable ones. A legend in his own right, and obviously your cousin as well, just by proxy of the... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, no, and then you. Was, uh, we're very proud of them. Yeah. Me. That's great. Yeah, well, we just followed down the line. That's just attempts at nepotism. <laughs> sure. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Nepotism legacy. I think that's what it's called. And maybe we can get you there if we, we try hard enough, we get enough propaganda going. <laughs> yeah. yeah, propaganda. Yes. Okay. So this takes us into our next question. Dana, we don't know what you look like when you play basketball and it's your story to spin, to propagandize, however you like, who is your player comp and not who do you play like who in the NBA plays Dana smart basketball? That's what I'm wondering. Okay. Well, I'm going to take this chance to uh, really champion for this player I, pl- I would play, like, all hustle. So just hustle all the time. Um, so I'm 
definitely going to be getting in there and getting those rebounds. But once I have that ball, you're probably going to be holding your breath um, until the ball's out of my hands. So it might be a little bit of a liability when I have the ball. Um, so I'm going to take this moment to say that Ronnie Hollis Jefferson should be on an NBA team right now. Um, so, yeah, I'd probably be one of those ones, you know, just working really hard, but uh, not the best uh, with the ball at all times. You know, maybe he has those little flashes, but not, uh, yeah. Hustle Man Wait. Dane. Hustle Man. Who, who am I? Oh, yeah. see, this is something I I've, this is something I've fought with my whole life is that every guy, well, okay, so if I were to play CIS basketball, which I never did, I didn't end up playing CIS basketball. And so if I was going to play CIS basketball, I would have, coming out of high school, had to put on quite a bit of weight just so I could hang because I was like 140 pounds coming out of high school. I just finished the growth spurt. And if I wanted to hang, I would have had to be like grimy and grubby, like TJ McConnell or Matthew Della Vadova. <laughs> yeah, and that's to succeed at the next level. If I wanted to, you have to be grimy and grubby if you're not like 6'3 and a very good athlete, or you have to be a really good shooter. And I had just broken my hand and got nerve damage so that I didn't uh-huh. have initially. And when I think about my game at high school level, I'm like, I'm Russell Westbrook. But if I had to play against guys, like when I went to the States and played, it was fun. And, but I had to play a very limited role of myself. And it's kind of like TJ McConnell, like a hustle defender who's like in your face and annoying. But I don't play like that normally. But if you want to compete against guys who are very, very talented, like when I went to college tryouts and there was guys who were like 23 years old from JUCO schools in the United States who had like 40 pounds on me. I just had to figure out other ways to contribute. So at a high level, I'm like the most annoying player you've ever seen and you would hate me. And at like a house league level or just like a a random pickup game, I would try and emulate James Harden probably just because he's a lefty and you know, it's fun to be an ISO guy like that, but that's, that's too much time spent on, <laughs> me as far as basketball, but probably annoying, I would say. And then if there's no stakes, hopefully just uh fun, I guess. But uh, I like Hustle Man Chap, Hustle Man Dane for you. Yeah. It's a great one. Okay, so we're about to enter our wheelhouse. It's a shame Blake isn't here, but always sunny in Philadelphia. One of the binding factors of our friendship. And something that holds together a small sect of Raptors Twitter is the meme economy of Always Sunny and its crossover with the Toronto Raptors. So, Charlie, Dennis, Mac, Fat or otherwise, D and Frank. We need NBA comps for all of them. I have mine written down. I'm interested to hear what you think. I'll lead off and we can go back and forth from here. So, for Charlie... I have Russell Westbrook because he's ferociously loyal to the woman in his life. He's <laughs> incredibly erratic and that stretches from extreme highs to extreme lows. So rat smashing to getting the bar ready for the health inspector. There's the good and the bad. And both Charlie and Russ have shot their teams into wins and out of losses. There's the good and the bad. There's a lot going on. 
And uh, yeah, I feel like Charlie is, is Russell Westbrook. Who do you think wow. Charlie is? <laughs> that was very thoughtful. I, when I was looking into Charlie, I just went with wild card, like someone who you could see just cutting the brakes on the van. <laughs> um, so I don't know. Like when I thought, when I thought, I thought Raptors specific first and out of all of them, honestly, the only one I could see doing that was Boucher. <laughs> I kind of see him doing that. And then, uh, NBA kind of like a, a, a white side. Okay. He's just white side. Of- he also has that famous picture where he says ready or not, which could be <laughs> illiteracy. <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> he's kind of perfect wow white side like is a that. really good one that's have you ever seen where nba 2k like the my player arc it has players come and do voice acting have you ever seen the super cut of the really really bad voice yeah, actors yeah. from the nba it's <laughs> I'll, I'll send it to you after it's one of the okay. funniest things i've ever seen but oh okay so we've got white side and boucher he broke protocol when coronavirus was first becoming a thing, real wild card behavior. So you got Russ, Chris Boucher, and Whiteside. So we'll move on to Dennis. I have Kelly Oubre as Dennis, and there's nothing insane going on here. There's no, it's not as well thought out as Charlie, but hyper into their looks, the both of them, and they both have crazy eyes. Absolutely insane person, <laughs> yeah, serial yeah. killer eyes. Mm-hmm. Who is your Dennis? Dennis, I just thought of Jimmy Butler. Okay. <laughs> um, yep. Just because of uh, what did they say about the uh, during the Olympics when oh. was it <laughs> the women said that he was like the, the most something about the most sexual man or whatever. And uh, yeah, that's the only one. He was the toughest I found to think of a Dennis. Yeah. Yeah, Dennis like, is a maniac. Yeah. Um, and I don't know who's a well, you know some guys in the NBA are a maniac, but you don't want to say it because yeah. of the blowback, because of yes. the the controversy that comes with it. But I think <laughs> yeah, uh, Jimmy Butler is the certified lover boy of the Team USA team. I think the what's the it was prostitutes labeled him as the best lover on the yeah. team, and yeah. I don't know if that's just um, bad translation or if it's they went around interviewing like prostitutes. I, mm-hmm. I'm not sure, but. Either way, uh, apparently he, he can throw his weight around. He can, <laughs> he can make it work. But. And then, you know, just similar reasons to your uh, Kelly Oubre there. You know, cares about his appearance um, yeah. and that kind of thing. If Dennis had the body, he would wear crop tops. 100% he would. So. Oh, for sure, yeah. And if Dennis wanted to get something done, he would be in the gym at 3 in the morning. It's just yeah. he would be motivated similarly. Yeah, okay. I, oh, I definitely see it. It's very good. And, you know, Jimmy has that, like, fake threaten you with violence thing, but Dennis has the real one, but that, that moves us close enough for me. Okay, I'll start us off with Mac, and I'm going back in time. Glenn Big Baby Davis, in tune with his emotions, a sweetheart a lot of the time, and he had a somewhat Mac-Dennis relationship with Kevin Garnett. That's, that's what I think. I like that. Yeah. And he's large, so <laughs> it works too. I went the pretty easy route on this one with James Harden. 
you know, just <laughs> cultivating mass and then losing it at a very rapid pace. Yeah, that was kind of easy. On body mass alone, dude. Body mass alone. Okay, James is a very good answer. Okay, so D. Who do you have for D? I think I have a great answer. Larry Bird. That was, uh, yeah, I said Larry Bird, of course. But then I said Rudy Gobert, bird-like and not well-liked by her peers. Yes. I don't know if there, like, is there anyone who just, like, does characters? I didn't know if there's anyone who, like, is trying to get into acting or... Blake Griffin? Yeah, maybe. Or, like, um... Blake Griffin does stand-up comedy. He does? Yeah, he does. I didn't even know that. He's not bad, I don't think. Like I, I find him a very funny individual. I just don't know if he can do stand-up. <laughs> I think I saw one stand-up, and he was talking about having sex in the NBA, which is an untapped market for storytelling. So he'll probably get far as much as... <laughs> could you imagine hearing Jimmy Butler tell his stories about when he was in Rio? I mean, wow. people would pay so much, but... You gotta keep it close to the chest. Unless you're Blake, of course, because he has carte blanche. <laughs> I suppose. Okay. Last one. Perhaps the favorite one. And this one I have a long explanation for, and I'll lead off. Frank. Frank is Kyle Lowry. Had to grind in a million different ways to find a success. His success allows everyone around him to succeed in their own ways does the equivalent of dumpster diving on the basketball court, has a wide appeal to a bunch of different people, steals every scene he's in, and is ageless. So for all those reasons, Kyle and Frank are analogous to me. That was wonderful. So I started this one by going with the Mantis. Um, And I went with... <laughs> I went. I I I went. Demontis as the man. <laughs> but then I but then I found out that Mikhail Bridges, on Basketball Reference, his nickname is actually Praying Mantis. Yes, I, I found that out by googling Praying Mantis NBA. <laughs> and then um, also it could be Donovan Mitchell. He could be the man spider, Spider Mitchell. Okay. <laughs> a little bit less thoughtful as yours. I like yours a lot better. I like Demantis Sabonis <laughs> the best. That's yeah. incredible. That's really, really funny. And then, yeah, I, I will always love that Basketball Reference has the nicknames on the page because it allowed me to dupe the Raptors Info Japan page into thinking that Dayman was actually Yudawadanabe's <laughs> nickname. So funny. <laughs> I was like, yes, the propaganda, it continues. But yeah. I love them so much though. <laughs> they're so good. They're literally they're great. They Shout translated, yeah, they translated my article and then so that people in Japan could read it. They do that with a lot yeah. of my articles. It's super nice. It's really cool. I guess it doesn't go to Raptors Republic, but Sorry, Zarar. Sorry, Blake. Uh, but <laughs> that's fine. Um, just cool that people get to read it. But okay. Uh, back to Raptor stuff. Leaving the realm of It's Always Sunny. We'll be back there shortly on Twitter, I assume. But Dana, if you've been to a game, which I assume you have, I'd like to hear about it. If you've been to a bunch, do you have any fond memories? What's the Raptors experience been like for you? 
Yeah, I have been to a bunch. Uh, the past couple of years, probably more than ever before. And most recently, I've been pretty lucky to attend some, some good ones. Um, a couple of years ago, versus the Trailblazers, um, I think it was March 2019. It was uh, Kawhi. With a few seconds left, he hit a game winner uh, just from the corner. Dumb shot. It was pretty cool. And uh, it's just really, when you're there live, so electric to, to feel the, the atmosphere there. It makes you really think what it would be like to, to experience something like the Game 7 shot, you know, things like that. And, uh, yeah, that one was, was really, really fun. Another... I was pretty lucky again. Um, I don't know if you've ever had the Raptors app on your phone. No. No? I haven't. Well, you should get the Raptors app and play some of the games because (laughs) I played – I'm not lucky with that kind of stuff. There are some games where you play and you can win stuff. I played one of the games and – not much longer after that I got an email from MLSE and I got to go to uh it was like the fan deck went on OVO night it was pretty fun and they were playing the Lakers so that was a pretty fun uh, experience yeah all from the app how about you from the app yeah yeah yeah. remarkable for Mm -hmm. me hmm my favorite moment is an anti-Raptors moment. And I've told this story on a couple of podcasts, but it's really funny to me. It was Jeremy Lamb when he hit the game winner from half court that heave. <laughs> and I was in the arena and I thought it was so funny because I love the Raptors, but I guess emotionally I'm more reserved than most fans. And that's not a good or bad thing. I'm not saying fans need to be reserved, but the crowd started booing after the shot went in because instinctively they're like, it wasn't a bad call. It wasn't anything like that. He just hit a half court shot. The Raptors lost and the the fans were like, boo, boo that shot. And I just thought it was such a funny response. And I had never seen anything like that before. Like a made shot and booing. I just, especially for a guy as inconsequential as Jeremy Lamb. For sure. Incredible. And, uh, when I got to see DeMar DeRozan for the first time was really cool. I just watched him warm up because he was my favorite player growing up. And mm-hmm. I thought that was kick-ass and I enjoyed it a bunch. And I think he, he played against the Wizards and he had like 36 and like seven. And it was just cool to watch him work because I had always been fascinated with his game. And yeah, the, the Raptors continue to be one of the most fun teams. And uh, well, this year, as far as encore product, maybe a little like more middle of the road, but they, for however many years, they've just been a fantastic watch. And anybody who gets to go to a game, that's a really cool thing. But yeah. going to going to practice was a cool thing too. And just getting to talk to players and do all that kind of stuff and for the first time and go through the motions on that stuff was really cool. Just chill out and watch them work through all the stuff that they do, be it like OG on the three-pointer, you see Mark at that point in time sit down with the Spanish TV crew, and then Pascal was working on his spin move on the other end. And I was like, wow, are these the seeds of something big coming? And, you know, it was. So that was, yeah, it's all very cool. Cool team to be attached to, I think. Yeah, that's very exciting that you got to see that. Okay, Dana, are you ready 
Well, do you have any other stories you'd like to share or should we get into the Twitter questions? Let's do it. Let's get into those. Okay. Let me pull them up with the quickness. From Blake Murphy, friend of the podcast, uh, maybe. <laughs> maybe not friend of the podcast. <laughs> Blake, quote, how hard was it to draw around the annoying parts of Samson's face, end quote. And I'll give my profile picture on Twitter was done by the immensely talented Dana. And uh, I asked her to do it. And the results were fantastic. I love it. It'll be my profile picture for the foreseeable future. It's great. But Blake wanted to know, Dana, <laughs> how hard was it to draw around the annoying parts of my face, which I would guess would be cheeks, uh, forehead <laughs> well this is your podcast simpson so i'm gonna be as complimentary as i can oh and no I'm no say, no i'm gonna say that there are no there are no annoying parts to your face so i didn't have that problem i did not face that challenge agree to disagree which is fine <laughs> but okay from bwh or at bw hildebrandt quote who are the Raptors group of seven? And I looked up group of seven on Google and it seemed to be referring to a group of seven artists from the 1920s. And yeah, so I guess, do, are you aware of this? I am aware. Yes. This is a challenging question though. <laughs> okay. Can, can you walk us through that in some regard, the group of seven, what that means? Yeah. So it is a group of seven Canadian artists and I believe that they paint Canadian landscapes. I don't know very much more about them, but uh, yeah, it's very neat artwork. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if they painted the landscape that was Jeff Winger's profile picture that dictated he had no <laughs> ego. <laughs> okay. Uh, group of seven, I guess I'll answer this for starters. Like, sure. It would be the most creative, be that in their physical expression or their uh, basketball artistry, which is physical expression again. Okay, well, let's, let's do all time just so we can keep it. Serge is an artist in his own way, of course. OG as well. DeAndre Bembry for his Spider-Man-esque rim hangs, I think is a form of artistry. And Kyle Lowry, for his ability to conduct chaos and steer he, it in the He drew correct. himself with Cabby. Yes, and he drew himself wonderfully, very accurate. And Matt Schantz had an incredible redrawing of that drawing that is, was just like Hall of Fame level. <laughs> and Vince, obviously, McGrady, and then let's go DeMar. I think that's seven. If it's six, sue me. Take me to bird law is not governed by reason but do you have any seven players dana i think that's great i'll agree with that we'll just <laughs> we'll go with yeah <laughs> that's a dual list okay from mitch at mitch wheeler 19 on this podcast often referred to as kind mitch coined <laughs> on the episode i did with kelsey o'brien wherein we had a question from mitch and kelsey said oh He's so kind, to which I concurred. So Mitch says, holy shit, how did I miss this news? The two goats. <laughs> My question is, you're directing an action movie and one current Raptor has to star in it. Who are you going with? Okay, first of all, thank you, Mitch. That's incredibly kind. But Dana, 
Who are you starring in a movie if you're the Raptors? This is a tricky one because I find that they're they're all, I believe that they could all do their own stunts, you know, that kind of thing. But the the intensity with which Jalen Harris delivers his infamous We the North <laughs> makes me believe that he could be, you know, a, a Liam Neeson-esque star. And I think he probably has some serious acting chops underneath there. So I'd probably go with him. He could he could do like a John Heater or a Michael Sarah, like a mewling Quim yeah. type of leading man yeah. performance. Very like, oh God, oh. <laughs> like that would yeah. that would be really good. Yeah. Then you could go with OG. OG could be the straight man in any sort of buddy cop film or mm-hmm. some sort of more flavorful duo, whichever you prefer. Kyle Lowry has the stuff of your remarkable leading man. I think Pascal has the emotional depth to steal the show in a drama. But ultimately, Fred as the family man, and he's just trying to get everybody through the days. I think uh, he's a real, he's a, a layman, an everyday guy that you could cheer for. And I'd love <laughs> to see him star in a film. He'd, hopefully like in Chicago or New York, I'd like to see him beard and toque a lot of beard and toque for fred i think he'd be really easy to cheer for that was a great question mitch yeah yeah great question mitch thank you yes kind as well okay Mm -hmm. so this one i feel like i'm on the outside of it to be quite honest it's from guided by brody quote i don't know you and i only just started following the samson kid a (laughs) couple weeks ago (laughs) so forgive me if this is asked a lot who is the greatest baller to ever come from puslinch 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 Ontario, <laughs> Brody from close to Pusslinch. Do you know Brody? That's my first question. I do not believe I, I know Brody. How many people are, live in Pusslinch? 10,000? Oh, that's... I was thinking that it was similar to where I grew up where there are 700 people. I was like, you guys must know each other then. But no, not... 10,000 is way more. <laughs> I'll, I'll Google it. <laughs> but Brody... This question does not get asked often. If is Pusslinch close enough that if somebody made it to the NBA, people would say they're from Toronto, or is it too far for that? Uh, they'd probably say it's like. Do people say Shay is from Toronto? Yeah. Yeah, then they'd probably say. Except, I think Jeff Van Gundy pushed um, back on it one time. He was like, "Oh no, it's not actually Toronto," and everybody was like, "That's right." North of York, I don't want to hear it, but whatever. going to be honest, I don't know of from Pusslinch that has made it in the basketball world, um, made it out of here. But uh, I did go to grade school in Guelph, and uh, I work in Guelph, and most everything uh, based out of Guelph, Ontario. And uh, I did cross paths with Natalie Anwa, who is now on Indiana Fever. So that's kind of neat. Uh, played house league with her. She uh, annihilated me every time we were on the court together. So, yeah, that's kind of cool. Natalie. Sounds like Dana Smart is the best but, player to ever come from Pusslinch. That's what it sounds like to I me. I mean, to answer the question uh, short, that's, you know, probably the, how it goes. Yeah. We have two questions left. One from S. One from Evan. So from Esfandiar Barahani, a friend of the podcast, quote, 
if Paddington Bear <laughs> was about to clothesline Kyle Lowry, keep in mind, I have not seen the movie, would you stop Paddington? End quote. Dana, this seems very up your alley. I'd love to know. Yeah. If you follow me, you probably know that both of these individuals hold a very special place in my heart. So, you know, ultimately my goal is to um, prevent harm to both of them. I think Paddington, you know, he cultivates quite a bit of mass from eating all that marmalade. (laughs) And as we know, Kyle's a very fit and solid guy. So, you know, a collision between them could be pretty catastrophic. So in short, yeah, I'm, I'm going to prevent uh, Paddington from, from doing this. S. Uh, you need to watch that movie. What, uh, what do you do to stop that from happening? Is there something you can yell that you're sure would get one of them to stop? Um, he'd probably, he's a very reasonable creature, Paddington. But you know, marmalade would probably get him to, to stop. Okay. <laughs> Set out some marmalade and suddenly yeah. everything's, everything's copacetic. Yeah. Think, yeah. Do you think Kyle leaves aggrieved? How are you going to how are you going to paper that over? How are you going to make sure he feels okay? Maybe he wanted the charge. Like he, he thrives on that stuff. <laughs> yeah, maybe he wanted to take the charge. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I'd probably just describe to him, how catastrophic it could have been, you know? <laughs> okay. I thought, I thought you were going to say, like, uh, never mind. Wasted joke. I won't tell it. I don't even think it would land. <laughs> you guys so it out. <laughs> oh, no. From Evan Guaberto, a friend of the podcast. Quote, for both of you, number one, minus anything with DeMar or any of the current roster or championship core, What's your favorite on-court Raptors memory, favorite off-court Raptors moment? Two, earliest Raps fandom memory for Dana. What's your favorite reaction to one of your works? So let's start at the last part there. Favorite reaction to one of your works? Um, well, so I, I wasn't really, I wasn't very active at all on Twitter before just this, this summer, really. And it really was the, the reaction of, two specific members of Raptors Twitter that was pretty instrumental and, and special in welcoming me to the Raptors community. Um, Kate and Emma Brown, they, it was them reposting my stuff and encouraging me to keep posting. That was um, a really a, a warm welcome that um, welcome me to the Raptors Twitter community. I honestly, I probably would never have opened up my Etsy shop, my Great Dane Draws uh, Etsy shop, if they hadn't um, bullied me into making a a t-shirt of my OG Buzzy Buzzer Beater uh, illustration. But I I truly, I really appreciate um, that because I've made a lot of friends and uh, it's been super rewarding to to share my work with the people, you know, all over the world. I've, you know, met, met individuals on there and it's opened up opportunities like this, um, meeting Samson and being able to be on the podcast. Uh, so really thank you, Kate and Emma. That was, um, really special. And I appreciate that a lot. And really anyone who's supported my work, 
uh, online or in person. That's really, really great. Appreciate that a lot. Big shout out, Kate. Big shout out, Emma. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, I know you didn't ask me this, Evan, but I'll give you my favorite reaction to one of my works. And we're considering, <laughs> we're considering a tweet, a work of mine. And I tweeted out that <laughs> Jimmy Butler and Kyle Lowry are two absolute motherfuckers. And Kyle Lowry's mom responded to the tweet. Oh my God. <laughs> she said, I hope you mean this in the good way. <laughs> and I said, yes, only in the good way. And uh, so that was really funny. I thought that was great. That provided me with some humor. But uh, earliest raps fandom memory, I guess I'll go first. I think I remember watching Antonio Davis block I can't even remember who, but in my brain, that's my first one. But I know I didn't watch the 2000 dunk contest live. So, you know, it should be Vince Carter or Damon Stoudemire or something like that. But it's Antonio Davis blocking somebody for whatever reason. How about you, Dana? That's Yeah, I, I love him for sure. I, I notoriously have a very bad memory, but, but I just remember liking Raptors players or players in general more for their nicknames or, you know, how cool they seemed rather than any, you know, legitimate on-court reasons or characteristics like that. So Muggsy Bogues was cool because he was short like me and, you know, he was in Space Jam. Um, so that was sick. Uh, Jerome Williams, he was junkyard dog. So I love dogs. That made sense. Stuff like that. So that was, uh, that's kind of how, fandom goes when you're you know really young it's not so much um how they play on the court it's how cool they are um that kind of stuff that is who do you think is the most appealing player to kids nowadays oh wow um probably once this new space jam comes out if lebron are isn't already they're gonna really probably try to target lots of kids with that um, I saw they were teaching Pepe Le Pew about consent, but that got cut. Did you see that? <laughs> I saw that too, yeah. <laughs> he promotes Remarkable. Rainbow. So bad. Wow. And the Lola Bunny discourse, I think, is very, very funny as well. That's hilarious. I, oh, man. I don't even know if I want to say this. I went for her as Halloween one year. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I swear, if anyone who actually knows me, I was wearing like an extra large men's basketball jersey and sweatpants so you're like just... the redux you're like exactly. the version from this time yeah. around you've yeah. always been a futurist that way <laughs> yeah i'm a futurist <laughs> geometric art yes uh, exactly the bunny cosplay it's all it's all there <laughs> okay and i guess on court off court memory of the franchise do you have a favorite i guess this doesn't involve being in the arena or anything like that. So we're not going over something we've already talked about. Do you have a, like something that sticks out to you? Well, everyone now, like the current fandom knows the, in recent memory, the OG surge double screen. Right. Um, But I'm a really, I'm a big Amir Johnson person. So when I, I remember seeing that live and I kind of did the, you know, the Leonardo DiCaprio 
I'm in Hollywood pointing at the screen thing because one of my favorite moments is uh, Amir and Jonas when they essentially did the same thing. They locked arms and they did that little do do double screen, uh, same thing. I, I love that moment. I think it's just hilarious, kind of uh, the OG of the OG time surge uh, double screen. But, uh, that's actually, know. that's what it's called, the do do double screen. I'm surprised you knew that. Exactly. I copyrighted that. Yeah, exactly. TM at the end of it. Put it in yeah. a tweet. Yeah, that's, that's pretty good. I, I mean, what would mine be? I really, really enjoyed all of the Kyle and Damar commercial stuff, all of the hijinks that they had, the jokes they would play and all that. I always thought that was really funny. And if it was just like the, the bits they would do with Ford where they'd be driving around and, you know, Kyle's in the passenger seat, Damar's driving saying it yeah. ain't nothing but the usual drifting around a mm-hmm. course, stuff like that. Very funny. And yeah, that, that stuff was always, it made it so much more fun to cheer for them. And especially that Kyle could just hop onto an interview and be like, Oh yeah, we used to just go to the McDonald's, drive through together and that's when I was fat and just the self-awareness <laughs> that was yeah. that that they participated in and they both have been such great men to cheer for that I think I hold it dear that you get to support such great people you, that's not guaranteed in sports that excellence is coupled with um, great men or great women sometimes excellence comes along with you know, fuck them kids, Michael Jordan and stuff like that, or like any other type of negative thing. And so that was cool. And yeah, I feel like that's, that's, that's probably my most fond memory that isn't, you know, tied to winning a championship or anything like that. And DeMar's 52 point game kicked ass. That was really fun. Yeah. Okay. Dana feels like a podcast. And so at the end of every podcast, the thing I do and especially for you, since you have not just, you know, writing to promote, but something tangible, uh, physical, the force yours. Plug, plug, plug away. <laughs> I guess, you know, just you can follow me on Twitter. I have an Etsy shop for some of the illustrations that I make and make them into prints and T-shirts. Feel free to browse there. And yeah, that's about it. Okay. Um, listener. Just go to Great Dane Draws on Instagram or Great Dane 92 on Twitter, and then you'll find all that stuff. It'll be tagged in the description on Raptors Republic and obviously on Twitter. So if you're listening to this, you're probably already aware. But I cannot co-sign it enough. I think Dana's fantastic. I think her work is fantastic. There's nothing better than supporting people that you know and you like. And A lot of the times the economy leaves everybody in a situation where you have to do that. You have to support the people you want to see winning. Otherwise they don't win. And I know winning seems like a really dumb term to use, but that's a, and this is not a push for Like, I'm not saying like you have to make Dana win at all costs. (laughs) That's not what I'm doing, but just uh, an overall sentiment. I think in these times it's really important, but Dana's stuff. I, I really, I really like it. I really appreciate her. And so Dana, Thank you so much for coming on. This has been very enriching for me. I've enjoyed it immensely. Appreciate it so much, Samson. Okay. And listener, whether you got into this in the morning or at night, have a blessed day and goodbye.
If you're struggling with alcohol or drugs, Recovery Centers of America can help. RCA's local inpatient and outpatient programs are founded on science and delivered with heart from an expert caring team who will inspire and guide you every step of the way. Call 1-800-941-2358 to speak with a treatment advisor. At RCA, you'll be in a community that builds connections and fosters support from peers and RCA's team of medical professionals. At RCA's state-of-the-art campuses, they tailor your treatment treatment to you and also offer specialized programs for patients with history of trauma or relapse, for young adults, for adults 50 plus, for LGBTQ patients who wish to seek treatment without worry of stigmas, a confidential program for first responders and military, and a faith-based program. Recovery Centers of America accepts patients 24-7 and is in network with most insurance providers. Don't wait. Call 1-800-941-2358. 800-941-2358.